You're listening to the Project Horse Podcast. Horse training tips, Q&A, and horse business commentary from Jake and Luke of Lundahl Performance. New episodes go live every Friday with extras content throughout the week. To submit a training topic or question, hit us up on Facebook or email lundahlperformance at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Thank you guys for joining us on yet another Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke. Today we've got a couple different topics to cover. We're going to initially talk about a little bit more about the bend and draw exercise, what we call bend and draw. Others call bending with the nose tipped. We touched on this exercise late in our last episode, and we wanted to reemphasize just some details about it, how we approach it, the importance of it, etc., then we're going to move into more of a subject that's on home turf for me, which is talking about cow work, but more specifically, things that, as a learner, that are going to help you find direction. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, at cow horse clinics and so on, they'll have you track for hours, or they'll just put you to work doing things that ultimately, at the very least, they're meaningless and make no benefit to your horse. And in some cases, they are actively detrimental to how your horse handles and behaves on a cow, and in some cases you'll find yourself training the cow sense out of your horse. So we're just going to try to be practical and outline some steps you can take to get a green horse better on cattle that don't involve a lot of useless filler and just directionless training. Let's start off initially though with bend and draw because this is an exercise that's We talked about last time, because it's kind of on the border between a mindset in which you're just thinking about lateral softness and lateral suppling, and now finally starting to introduce some outside rain, starting to introduce just some more body control and a higher level of awareness of where the horse's rib cage is at, what their spine is doing, etc. But I don't think we really hammered enough on the importance of it, and we certainly did at the stock horse clinic. That was one of the key exercises we did. Because it not only gets you to be more conscious of where your horse's body is, but it plays into so many other things. Being able to do better transitions out of the lope and just have a higher degree of control in general. Right. We touched on this a lot at that clinic, like you said. And this was something that was really an eye-opening exercise for me personally. Um, Coming from more of a background, uh, learning how to just get a horse really broke and soft and supple, and then getting to experience more of the show horse mindset. And this was an exercise that really made me realize the importance of, yes, left and right is absolutely key, especially in those early stages, getting that horse to understand that you're in control, you have the leverage. When when you pull, the horse needs to give, breaking loose those mental barriers. But then at some point, if you stay there, it'll actually hinder your training and get in your way and your horse just becomes lost when you go to turn them loose and you try and lope them on a straight line and put them through some sort of a meaningful or put give them some sort of a meaningful job, put them on a pattern or whatever. And so getting kind of the outlook of more of the show horse mentality really hammered this point home. 
And that is teaching your horse that, yes, you need to be able to soft when I pull you all, you need to be soft when I pull you all the way around to my toe. Yes, you need to bend your rib cage around my inside leg, blah, blah, blah. But the downside to that is that the horse can only kind of go in so many areas. Like they're, they're, the rest of their body, their shoulders, rib cage, and hindquarters just kind of has to follow in line. Like a semi truck, when it turns, the trailer is just going to follow. Well, you've got them in enough of a bind that they're just naturally going to fall into that one position. You know, they're just going to have kind of have an even arc to their body. Their shoulders and rib cage and stuff really can't go anywhere else. Um, the only thing that can really happen is that they lose the hind end to the outside, which is, you know, that's easy to correct as well. But you, they're in enough of a bind. But once you start loosening that bind to where you just have the nose tipped, then you really see how much degree of control you actually have. Right. And it's not a blanketing statement to say they can only go in so many directions. No. If your horse, like, we see this all the time, like, well, my horse is really soft, but their shoulder is constantly running to the outside of my circle, and I start my I start my suppling over here, and by the time I finally release the rein and let the horse walk again, I've ended up over here. You know, he's drifting on me. Why is he doing that? Can't he can't he only go in so many areas? Why can't he just follow his nose? Well, yes, when the stiffer your horse is, no, the more that they'll bleed out in different areas and they'll they'll bow their shoulders out, they'll they'll let their hindquarters swing around, whatever. And so, but once your horse is truly soft and you've actually gotten them broke loose through the rib cage, like a horse that drifts around like that, they're not soft. They're they're just kind of walking a circle around kind of half consciously doing the exercise, but they're really not soft through their body. Once that horse is soft around your inside leg, that shoulders, rib cage, and hindquarters can only go in so many directions, and it just falls in line with where their head is tipped. Once you've got that really good, once you let that head come out to like a 45, 30, 45 degree angle tipped off the point of their shoulder, then you really start to see some problems surface because that horse has to now learn how to how to get the rest of his body in line and track in an efficient manner now that his head isn't captured all the way around to the side. You're almost protecting him in a way. If you always keep him trapped like that, you're protecting him. You notice a lot of times at clinics we'll see this if someone has a horse that's that's really skittish or they try to get it loped out and the horse is like ducking and diving left and right or they go to turn the horse loose and is jogging really fast, what is their natural reaction? Pull its head around, pull its head around to their toe and turn it into a circle. Like they might keep the horse loping, but what do they do? They pull it around real tight into a circle. They'll keep the horse jogging, and every time they turn the horse loose, he starts to veer off left or right. So what do they do? They take it the opposite way, and they pull it around their toe. Why? Because it's it's a, a point of control. You're capturing the horse in a way that, that immediately gives you the control and that safety, and you can cover up whatever negative behavior is going on that you don't like because it immediately puts you in that point of control. And that's that's nice for an unbroke greener type of horse, but if you're going to advance, you need to push yourself out of that and start having the horse take more responsibility for what's going on. If that head has always been around your toe, you're the one that's always dictating where he needs to go, how he needs to go there, and whatnot. If you're going to actually progress this horse into more advanced type maneuvers, you're never going to be able to do that by always sticking to the same mentality of as soon as you don't like something, 
pulling them around and forcing them into a position of, of control. You have to teach that horse that he's responsible for his body. He's responsible for maintaining that shape and that integrity. And so doing this bend and draw is a great way to introduce this. And so I like to do it like we did at the clinic where if you're out in an open area, you can go like tree to tree, or if you're in the arena, you can go and pick out like fence posts or, you know, points on the fence, on the actual rail of the fence, whatever, give yourself a point to ride to. So you ride to it with a purpose. And then when you get there, bend the horse around either left or right. And then, but rather than pulling him around your toe, Almost because a lot of the times we saw this at the clinic, the horse's natural inclination, as soon as you touch that inside rein, was to bend all the way around to your toe. Yes. So you catch them with that outside <clears throat> rein. And you can do it either gluing your hands to your knees. That's, that's you know, we see a lot of people do that, and that's great for developing your feel. But if you're really looking to ever get this horse one-handed, I would have your inside rein pulled up to your, to your inside hip. So if I tip the left rein, I'm pulling it up to my left hip. And then I would, I would choke up on the outside rein and pull it more more towards my outside hip but also off to the side it's kind of floating there in the air so to speak i'm not going to glue it to anything because i want to be able to feel what that horse is doing if i put my hand against my body like that i am even just a little bit but it's it may be a small amount but nonetheless it is there i'm hindering the amount of feel that i'm going to have so it kind of hangs in the air but it's not quite pulled to my hip this outside rein it's towards my hip, but more also out to the outside. So kind of diagonally, if that makes sense. And I'm looking to capture him rather than letting him go around to the side. I'm preventing that with that outside rein and looking for more down toward the point of his shoulder. But again, I'm not looking for him to soften his chin in. We see that all the time, like we talked about with collection. It's not about softening the chin into his chest as it is breaking him loose from the shoulders on back to his hindquarters. And when you do that, he'll break at the withers and drop that neck down. But it's more so about teaching him how to stay on the arc of the circle. Like picture, rather than his head bent all the way around to my toe, imagine that paint was dripping out of this horse's nose as he was trotting around that circle. So if you're doing this correctly, this bend and draw, all, every part of his body should now be on that circle that was drawn with the paint coming out of the horse's nose. So his nose, his neck, his shoulders, his ribcage, and his hindquarters should all be tracking on that paint line. So if you're in a freshly dug arena, there should only be one set of tracks on that on that circle. That You shouldn't be able to see where the forequarters or the shoulders were bowing out, where the hindquarters was pushed to the inside. You shouldn't see any of that. You should see a horse that stood up straight, balanced, and his whole body is following in line in the most efficient manner. And there's kind of, would it be fair to say in your estimation, we kind of see two categories of horses that struggle with this. And the first one would be that, you know, they're so overbent to the inside that as soon as you pick up on that inside rein, they immediately, their instinct is to cave everything into the circle. So to use your paint analogy, things like their, their inside shoulder, their ribs, their hips are going to be falling to the inside of that line. And then we see other horses that I've heard people use the, the term bounce off your hands. And I think that's a good analogy of what's going on, where as soon as you pick up to tip that nose, everything kind of splinters or fractures to the outside of the circle. Um, we see that as well. But it seems like the more bent, you know, and supple left and right, and the more somebody has done a lot of that, which is good preparation, 
the common tendency we see is for that horse to cave everything to the inside. Right, and that's where that outside rein comes into play. Yes. Not only are you preventing the horse from bending their head all the way around your toe, but you're also kind of preventing that body from falling to the inside. And that's something that this exercise addresses that problem. Well, you might say, oh, well, you need to address that problem by bending his head more and using your inside leg to soften that rib cage up. And and there, at least in our experience, that that is not simply not the case because what you end up doing is you get that horse oversensitive and overbendy to where he becomes this like super wiggly worm with like a million different points where he's he's got you develop like a million different hinges where this door yes. is swinging wildly around where you've you should at that point have had the, uh, a decent foundation to where that horse can soften that rib cage around your leg but when you step it up especially at the jog and then at the lope where you increase the speed like that and you don't allow him to bend all the way around towards your toe, now that you have less bend, you're going to increase your stiffness. And so naturally that horse is going to revert back a little bit and have problems. And you're not going to fix that by going, stepping back again and like restarting your suppling. This exercise is supposed to expose that. That's just a natural byproduct of now that you've let the bend go, you're going to experience that because he doesn't know where to travel now. He's a bit lost. And so that exercise is going to expose that. So that's just a natural progression. And that's something that's almost a good thing because now you know it's there and you can work on it. Yeah. That's something we address specifically in our clinic is that people who were so used to having their horse bent around to their toe left and right, when they started doing this exercise, they didn't like what they were feeling because the horse feels lost He's kind of, you know, weaving and leaning. He's looking for his out, basically, because it's something he's unfamiliar with. And they feel like they have less control. And you just have to just embrace that and that that's the necessary step in progression that you're going to have to work through. You have to get out of the mindset that anytime you feel uncomfortable about what your horse is doing with his body, that you just bend him around more dramatically. You have to get rid of that mindset and learn how to use less rein and more leg in order to correct issues through the body. Exactly. And when you're on the circle and you're softening this horse up, it's all about the like the reins are just there to allow you to use your legs to soften up his body. They're just more or less a placeholder. Exactly, exactly. You're just controlling that head and neck so you can keep it straighter. And then you're using your body to correct whether the shoulder's out or in or the rib cage is is twisted, is rolled over and pushed to the inside. Whatever is going on, using your legs to soften that horse up. Once the horse does get soft and they... And when I mean soft, I don't mean in the face. I mean their body has has moved over into the position it needs to be in. Then you release the reins and see if you can't have that horse maintain that shape on his own. And if he fa- if it falls apart, which it usually does as soon as you turn it loose, staying on that circle, pick back up again, soften him up, put him back, show him where he needed to be, turn him loose, but stay on that circle. Show him where he needs to be, turn him loose, stay on that circle. And once you get a few strides where he kind of maintains that structural integrity, then turn loose and head off at the jog or at the lope and do it again. And this exercise works the best either at the jog, go jog place to place, or lope, break down to a jog transition. You can do a little bit at the walk, but it's kind of pointless. You're best off going to the jog, getting this done. Um, And then a lope to jog transition is great because a lot of horses that we see that are real bracy when they take a hold of them, this kind of knocks that loose and teaches that horse just to melt into position. Another thing I like about this exercise is that, especially we saw this at the clinic, a horse that's like oversensitive to bending left and right. uh, A lot of people we see that always when they get kind of in trouble, they think bend, bend, pull around to my foot. 
Well, the horse then gets faster and faster about trying to anticipate that pull left and right. And so then the rider in turn pulls left and right even faster than the horse. And so it's this like crazy cycle where the horse is trying to go left and right faster and faster, faster. And the owner is like going faster, 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 faster to try and beat it. Yes. And so this exercise, especially on a horse that's like that or on a horse that's like ducking from the bridle and like hiding from it. And they're like, as soon as you touch them, you feel nothing but air. And that's great. That feels nice. But if you're trying to progress this horse to something more advanced, it's absolutely impractical. You need to have that horse to where he's a little bit duller and lets you handle him, not prevents you from handling by immediately disappearing off your hands. There's a difference. There's feeling air in your hands is nice, but it's also impractical because the horse isn't really getting soft as they're just disappearing from your hands to prevent you from allowing you to handle the horse. You need to look at it more that way rather than, oh yeah, he's so light, I'm handling him. No, you're not even touching him. He won't let you handle him. And so this exercise will allow you to stay on that circle in a controlled, slow way and just wait there until he has the confidence. That's what it all, he doesn't have confidence when you don't feel nothing but air. He needs to have the confidence to kind of lean a little bit, not push against it, but lean a little bit on it. And then you can slowly release it and kind of let him follow those reins back out onto that relaxed position. So it'll allow a horse that's super wiggly left and right to line out a little bit more. And it'll allow you to kind of numb up and desensitize a horse that's oversensitive to your hands and won't let you touch their face. All right, now let's get into a little bit more of a discussion on something that's home territory for me, which is cow work. One thing, and this is kind of what this is inspired by, is my past experiences as a learner doing cow horse clinics, working for a couple different cutting horse trainers, then contrasting that with my later experience, especially working for for a pretty, you know, top of the line, top of the industry level cow horse trainer. And just overall, you know, between that, your experience in the reining side of things, Luke, and just contrasting that with what I had been exposed to before and how, just for lack of a better word, how worthless a lot of it was. You and I use this term often that we call chicken feed, you know, as in, you know, just go out and throw a little feed to the hens so that they can you know, just flick them some corn so they can go scratch around in the pen and, and flutter around and, and just keep them occupied over there without really giving them much substance, without really getting into things that have a lot of purpose or meaning or will really help your progression in any way. And there's so much material out there on cow work that is basically chicken feed. I was watching this video the other day where this guy's working with two different riders and, and the things that they were doing with these younger horses, I think there was a, there was a couple of two-year-olds they were training. And it's something we touched on in the clinic as well. And it, it struck a nerve with me because on one hand, a lot of what they're doing is just a waste of time, pure and simple. And in some cases, they're actively hurting their own progression and how their horse handles, especially on a cow. So what do I mean by that? Well, I guess the best way to break into that is with a subject that I get asked about a lot, which is, you know, I want to start doing some cow work with my horses, or or maybe I just want to become a little bit more proficient or I want to get my horse over a fear of cattle, is tracking a good thing to be doing. And I would say that it is in two select cases, and we covered this at the clinic before, one of which is if your horse does genuinely have a fear of cattle, 
then doing some tracking is going to help them overcome that. What do I mean by tracking? I mean literally tracking a cow around, following the cow, keeping your horse, like, you know, as that cow goes around the arena, you literally follow him, not, you know, nose to tail in line with the cow, not right up on top of him, but at a, at a nice distance away to where you're still pushing the cow around, uh, but you're not on top of him. And you're following in that cow's tracks as you go around. In other words, imagine that there was paint dripping out of the end of that cow's tail, making kind of blots and splats and, and just a trail as he went around the arena. And you're taking your horse and you're making your horse put his feet on those exact tracks, mimicking the cow's movements as he goes around. That's what I mean by tracking. And so is that beneficial in any way? Well, I would say yes. For a horse that is extremely fearful of cattle, uh, it, is, it is very beneficial to build their confidence. But one thing you'll, you'll see very quickly if you do any tracking is that it doesn't take very long to make progress. If a horse is fearful on cattle... Uh, or, you know, if they are fearful and have some cow sense, which you kind of want and you kind of need, you want that focus. You want that mental engagement. If you are trying to make a cow horse out of them, it doesn't take very much tracking before their confidence gets built. And that leads into a second problem that I think is, is very common. And this is what a problem area that some tracking will help fix. There's other ways you can do it. Personally, I think this is a very straightforward way is if a horse is being overly, forward and chargy to the point where they want to, and we see this with like ropers that do team pinning and like lower level cow horses a lot is that they're very chargy. They're, they're always in the mindset of trying to run up and overtake that cow and just completely blow off the rider, put the blinders on and just haul ass. And in that case, the tracking can be helpful. In other words, you're creating a situation where you want that horse to track you're, you're basically rating the cow, but you're staying behind the cow. You're not getting up to his shoulder. You're not overtaking him. You're not shadowing him in any way. You're just rating him from a position behind him. And if the horse goes to try to charge, grab the bit and run off, try to overtake that cow or just go faster than you like, you can bend him around, take a hold of him, pull him around on his foot. You can do something to get in his way, get back in his mind and say, no, you need to listen to me. Like, you know, I'll let you use a little bit of your intuition on that cow, but if you just go to take off like that, no, I'm going to take a hold of you. I'm always in control, and the moment I pick up, you need to defer back to me as far as what we're doing. So it can be helpful for rooting out that kind of a bad habit, but again, in both of those cases, one thing that you'll find is that you don't need to do very much of it in order to make the necessary, you know, get over that problem, whether it's fear or the horse just being chargy and running through the bridle. Although that kind of plays to other issues, like you you probably don't have that horse very broke. He's probably not very soft, etc. Either way, tracking is a good way to root those things out. But maybe one or two sessions is all it would take. I think at the clinic, there's a couple horses that we, we did some tracking with, and it didn't take very long. It took maybe 10 to 15 minutes per session, uh, one horse, we did a couple of, of quick sessions with him, and his confidence was built enough that we could start moving on. If you look at any legit cow horse or cutting horse trainer, what are the big things in their mind that they need to get established on a two-year-old besides just basic brokenness and, and handling? Well, they do a lot of dry work, uh, especially stopping, backing, being able to turn, bring the horse's front end through 
just basic control, but straightness as well. Being able to stop straight, gather the horse up, rock him back or load him up on his hind end, turn, bring the front end through, just basic control there. Basic building blocks of a setup of a stop keeping the horse's body straight and under, and under control. They'll do dry work like that. They'll do especially work on the flag, and you're working on those basic things. Um, just straightness, maintaining your position, being able to stop, load the horse up, boom, bring the front end through, get back on your straight line, track across, setting them up, stop, turn, stop, turn, and building their confidence with it and building their level of handling. And then from there, most cowhorse trainers worth their salt that I've come across, they don't start teaching fence work right away. They build the horse's confidence to that point, but they introduce them to, to actual cattle once they've done the dry work and flag work in, type, in sort of a cutting situation. You know, they'll work in a cutting pin or a big square pin. They might bring one cow in and just work on creating some stops and turns on the fence, work on driving up to the cow, pushing it down the fence, create a little bit of movement, get up there and stop the horse, you know, work on your fundamentals, back it up, gather the horse up, rock back, bring the front end through, teach it to go with the cow, etc. So they work on the fundamentals like that until they're confident enough to bring more cattle into the pin. Maybe they work in a, in a circular or, or octagonal cutting pin and they drill and drill and drill on those basic fundamentals and all the while they're building the horse's confidence to where when they get out in the big pin they kind of know what to do and they're not really lost but even then when they go to start working on boxing and taking the cow down the fence they're very conscious that if you let bad habits develop if you let that horse start ducking and diving its shoulder rolling its rib cage around rolling up into the cow ignorantly uh, or just, you know, grabbing the bit and running off, or just getting real jazzed up, like as you start setting up to go down the fence, if that horse just takes the bit and just runs, that they're very aware of that type of stuff. It's really, to, to do well in the cow horse thing, in my estimation, really comes down to the level of control you have and your horse's confidence in being able to run hard, but then also stop straight and gathered up and softly. And the only way you get to that point is you gradually build their confidence in little increments as you go forward, you know. Okay, well, that it raises an interesting question I have for you then um, because I have a very limited knowledge and of, like, the cow horse type of thing. I've only had limited experience, and the experience was with, like, the two-year-olds. The program um, that I was shown um, was just several weeks of tracking the cow around. Yeah. And um, literally just following in its, you know, following its tail around and just working on that. And every now and then stopping the horse and training on it a little bit here and there, but then get back to the cow and just track it around. And I and I think, um, you know, discussing with other people and, and, and watching other people um, that are, let's say, working their horses for like stock horse type shows or whatever, uh, they they kind of rely on track the cow around. And over time, just by merely tracking it, it'll become a cow horse. And I'm seeing kind of a running theme, at least, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but listening to what you're talking about, a theme similar to other stuff we've talked about, like with vertical and lateral and stuff like that, where if you stay in there and you try and perfect something or get it accomplished in this one particular way, 
it works for a little bit, but then it almost becomes a hindrance in a way. And well, you, yeah, what you end up doing, and I'm familiar with what you're talking about, and and that type of stuff, or like tracking, but then you know if the horse leans a little bit or or goes to anticipate, you bend them around laterally, or you you counter bend them off the track and then bring them back to the cow, and you do all this stuff. You're effectively you're not only not making progress, but in some cases you pulling the horse off the cow like that for no reason, just bending them around in a circle and then putting them back on the track and whatnot. And and you watch horses that people are doing that with, and they're just lost. They have this glazed over look. You're basically training the cow out of them at that point. It's like, well, you know, the horse basically throws their hands up, uh, figuratively speaking, and they're like, well, you know, what are we doing here? What What is the purpose of any of this? Right. You know? Like at the clinic... Most of the horses, we did two sessions of tracking the cattle. There was two horses in particular that were much more reactive. And so we did four sessions. The last day, we didn't track cattle at all. Mm-hmm. And just from an outside perspective, you you know, I have to kind of take pick up where I leave off here or what you think. But just from an outside perspective, it seemed like it was a great kind of introduction and to kind of see where things were at and horses that were more nervous build their confidence a little bit. But then after that, it was almost like if we want to get these horses any better, we can't perfect it by tracking the cow. We can't make it. We can't make it track the cow perfectly before moving on to something else. Yeah. Like it's almost becomes unimportant after a while. The only benefit it has is to build the horse's confidence to step up to the cow, push push the cow down the fence or whatever, and cr- just basically step up to the cow and create movement. That's really what we're talking about. So if the horse is fearful. Obviously, they don't want to step up to the cow and push that cow down the rail, so you need to build their confidence about it. So tracking can help with a little bit of that. Or if you have a horse that's chargy, they don't want to step up to the cow. As soon as they get up to the cow, they're like a shark that smells blood in the water, and they just want to grab the bit and run off. So you need to reinforce your control there. But once the horse is confident with stepping up to the cow, your job is done. Now you need to move on and actually work on the fundamentals of create movement, get in position and then teach that horse to stop straight and controlled. And eventually the horse, you know, if you, if you do it that way, if you do your dry work, flag work, obviously we didn't have much time for in the clinic. Some people don't even do a lot of flag work though. They just go right to creating stops and turns like that and just building the horse's confidence. And, you know, the ignorant stuff that I saw on the video is very typical of what people get told as just chicken feed to go waste time. Tracking is a waste of time, except in those two specific instances I mentioned. Once you get beyond your horse being comfortable to step up to the cow and create movement, you then need to to start having a purpose to that. You need to create movement, set up your stop, but then ultimately you're working on the horse and teaching just muscle memory and habits called step up to the cow, don't roll your shoulder and ribs up into the cow, stay straight, stay you know, between my legs, between my hands, get up there and stop straight, stop balanced. Don't just roll up into the cow and, and uh, you know, ignorant stuff like that, but actually have good fundamentals. Stop straight, stop correct, you know, load up, get back through yourself, go the other way, stay straight. Don't be warbling and rolling yourself all over the place, you know. And that, that, that takes work like that, that takes repetition and it goes into a training concept we've talked, we've talked about even with the reining horses and working on rundowns and stuff where 
it's kind of like scaling almost where you start off just creating a little movement, stop, boom, you know, build their confidence there and you gradually up the intensity and the dramatic changes of speed and direction. You know, for example, you might work in a small square pin or a round cutting pin. You've got the cow on the fence and you're just creating little setups there. You then transition that to a bigger area where you're running a little bit harder. Stop, boom, come back to me straight. Run a little bit harder. Stop, boom, come back to me straight. It's exactly what we talked about with the with the with the rundowns with the two-year-old reining horses and and the transitions and stuff that we'd like to do off of a straight line. It's the same exact mentality. There's no difference there except you you've got a little bit more focus on the cow. But what we see often is people track and track and track and they do these other little deviations where they're they're bending the horse around off the track you know basically just breaking with the cow in order to go train on them and soften them up uh and then they'll go back to tracking and it's just a waste of time or they'll go directly from that and this is the really ignorant part of that video that that really ground my gears so to speak they go from that to just mindlessly just running that cow down the fence or if they're not running all out mach 10 They'll take the cow down the fence and then just pull the direct rein and just roll up into the cow with no body control, no straightness, no balance, no nothing. And that video for me just highlighted the the absolute necessity of the body control stuff that we're talking about, the straightness, balance, being able to take a hold of that horse. And we see that so often where people, you know, these some of these clinicians get people on the wrong track, just teaching them that cow work is just about, you know, follow the cow around. And then when you want to step up to the cow and push him down the fence, then you just run up ahead of him and just turn ignorantly into him with direct rein. Well, like, what, like, the, what the hell is that? That doesn't build the horse's confidence at all. It's a pretty, you know, just from an outsider's perspective, watching that, it's kind of a, it's a very short term, um, have your cake and eat it right now type of a mindset where you just kind of push them through some something very it's easy to just delegate up ah, go off there and just follow it around and then once that's done then you get the adrenaline pumping and you feel like you know i'm cowers trainer running down the fence and turning it and pulling it around reefing it around hee-haw let's go yes but then you know looking at it now especially talking with you about it and then going through the video and you were you know kind of discussing with me what you saw you're setting yourself up for failure in the long term. Yeah, it's fun in the short term right now when the horse is kind of lost and you're just kind of blown his mind and just running it around up and down the fence trying to get ahead of it and pull it around into the yeah. fence. But long term, all you're doing is your first experience with the cows is just high energy, bad habits, and especially with anything high energy, you're really deeply yeah. ingraining that stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. Like. There was no discussion of, okay, when we start taking these two-year-olds down the fence, step up to the cow, let's create movement, now let's get up into position, and let's teach the horse positioning. Like, when he gets into position, regardless of what the cow does, let's stop him straight, back him up, pull him around soft. If he was running through my hands, you know, I'll be a little bit more aggressive in my correction, but... I'll bring him back to me and build his confidence that he rated the cow like I asked. He didn't, you know, uh, he wasn't leaning left or right. He did what I asked. And then when he gets into position and he's done his job, I'm going to stop him, pull but, him around, build his confidence. But looking at that, at least from my perspective, it looks kind of boring what you're doing. And I don't know, maybe you use the rider, it's different, but it kind of looks when you're doing that, it's just monotonous, kind of tedious. It's the same thing. There's no excitement. 
It's kind of boring. Well, it's exactly what people but say. In when, the long term, it sets you up for the high energy stuff that's controlled and even better. Yeah, no, it's it's exactly what people say when they see you doing your transitions and stuff, and, right. and doing kind of working on the rundown in stages of building confidence with a two year old with a reigning horse. It's like you're not going to bend them around in the show ring. So what are you doing? You know, like right. doing these transitions and stuff. They don't see the point of it because it is kind of monotonous, but you're building the horse's confidence gradually. And that's ultimately the mindset you have to have. Um, and you're right. I mean, this this video was the, the essence of an ignorant way to go about things. That is just... Let's take a horse that's just wide-eyed and has no idea and just, oh, God, I'm just got to, you know, hustle him down the fence and then ah, just reef him around into the cow. And then, ah, here we are sprinting off across at an odd angle across the arena, you know, um, you know, just completely breaking the horse's confidence, having no intelligence about what's going on. Um, it was, uh, it just, it just kind of irked me a little bit because that's, that's what people don't get told is that this is a process like any other to build the horse's confidence. You can't you can't get to a certain level of control off the cow and then just go do cow work. Like, no, there's an entire other process. You have to build the horse's confidence just like any other event. And people just look at it as just running around. Uh, and and there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more that you have to do to do it well do it with good fundamentals, be able to stop or straight and have control instead of just hauling them around with one rein. Thank you guys for all your support on the Project Tours podcast and the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. If you haven't already, please subscribe and message us with suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover on the show. It makes a big difference in the quality of content we're able to create for you. Thank you for listening and being a part of this growing community.